I'm Dr. Jamie Grant. I'm a bossy femme bottom, and this is Just Sex, Mapping Your Desire. I wanted to take a moment to talk about the title of the podcast, Just Sex, because like many things sex-related, the title has multiple meanings. I've always been curious about, and to be honest, somewhat put off by the phrase, it's just sex. Because the inference is that just sex is sex that doesn't matter. It isn't meaningful. It's sex but. I've often heard it tossed off in some version of, well, we had a great time together, but it was just sex. Or we're hooking up, you know, but it's just sex. Or we see each other, sometimes maybe for years, but it's just sex. Whenever someone says this to me, I think, what exactly is the but about in just sex? Because generally, even if we are sexual with someone in a closet or an alley for a sum total of 15 minutes, we are making ourselves vulnerable to them and them to us. Just sex, as it has been described to me, sometimes in great detail, often involves opening one's body to another person and allowing them to enter us or entering them. It may include opening our mouths and taking in another person's tongue or moving our tongue into theirs. Customarily during just sex, we offer up our engorged and exposed genitals to a stranger, to a friend, or to someone we love. Sometimes it means coming on or in this person we are having just sex with, spilling our seed or squirting our juices. Just sex may entail screaming our ecstatic, sexy heads off or crying with joy and relief. So the dismissive ways that people drop the phrase, it's just sex, the sex but, has never squared with me around what we are actually doing, around what actually happens when we are having sex in fleeting, passing, or ambiguous circumstances with strangers or friends or loved ones. What I wanted to suggest by naming the podcast Just Sex is that all sex matters in terms of how we are forming ourselves and enacting our values. Now, let me just say that again for emphasis. I want to suggest that all sex matters in terms of how we are forming ourselves and enacting our values. Just sex becomes a part of our story of who we are, generous or stingy, calculated or kind, clumsy and vulnerable or remote and indifferent, and that all of this matters so very much in a world where sexual violence is carried out every day among us, as common as breathing, and people's lives are shattered by it. People in our families, our friendship circles, our communities, all kinds of people's lives are literally derailed and destroyed by everyday, common-as-fuck sexual violence. Which brings me to the other meaning embedded in the podcast title. Just sex. Because given that we grow our sexualities inside of such a complex, violent system, I've always wondered, what might just sex be, as in sex that balances power? Sex that doesn't have some kind of patriarchal, transactional echo or aftertaste, where one person gains and the other loses. Where one gender or race or body type or cutie quotient or set of abilities doesn't come out on top 
while the other falls away somehow degraded, tricked, or one-upped. What might just sex look like, sound like, feel and taste like? Sex where everyone gets off, where all are celebrated, where both or many partners are enlarged, spiritually, emotionally, materially, by the experience. In my visionary sexy eye, just sex is any sex that insists upon transformative, generative connection, despite the violent soup we are all swimming in and its deformative, constraining impacts. So when I named the podcast Just Sex, I was hoping that by listening deeply to each other's sex stories, we might come to a new place in the road about both just sex and just sex. By finding and sharing dozens upon dozens of stories from people of vastly different social, sexual, gendered, racial, religious, geographic, and practical locations, we might be able to start to map, to puzzle out what just sex might be. And through this listening, we might come to reconsider our own sex stories, the power of them, the hard truths in them, and the transformative, ecstatic possibilities embedded in our intimacies and our sexual connections, be they long-term relationships or fleeting fucks. So there you go. You are listening to Just Sex. This is Jamie Grant coming to you from Seoul, South Korea. I'm here this week for the International Lesbian and Gay Association's regional meeting. And I'm here with about 300 Asian activists from the region who are all working on LGBT human rights issues in their respective countries. Today, I'm completely thrilled to have an intrepid activist with me whom I greatly admire uh, and met five years ago doing work on desire and sexual liberation in Beijing, China. Today, we're going to hear from Ting Ting Wei, who was detained about three years ago for her activism on the streets of China, which was illegal per the structure of the Chinese government. You can't do any visible activism on the street in China. And Ting Ting and her colleagues dressed in wedding gowns and put fake blood on their gowns to try to make visible the issues of domestic violence that are widespread in her country. I met Ting Ting about five years ago when I was doing gender and sexuality work in China, and she immediately came into the desire mapping world and has since been taking the workshop all over China. So I'll just have Ting Ting introduce herself to us in the usual way. Hello, and this is Ting Ting Wei. Very nice to meet you and join the desire mapping, <laughs> talking with Jamie. Do you want to tell us the three ways that you um, think about yourself in terms of your desire? Yes. Uh, identify myself as a bisexual. Before, before that, I was a straight woman. But when I started to get involved with the LGBT movement, and I fell in love with a woman, so after that, I identified myself as bisexual. And another thing to introduce me is about the BDSM. Mm -hmm. That's the story I have shared in the design mapping uh, workshop. 
Uh, this also a very interesting thing for me to explore my desire. And the third desire, I think it's kind of like a daily desire. Somehow I ex experience myself and my desire. So like, oh, that's one very short story. That's one day in the subway, I watch guy, you know, stand in the door of the subway station. I don't know why. I just feel like my desire was to jump on him at yes. that moment. Yes. Although at that time I had a girlfriend right. and live as a lesbian life. But it's quite weird sometimes my, about my desire. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can talk about more yes. later. Yeah, so when you say daily, you just feel daily attracted to all kinds of people as you go about your daily yeah. movements? Not all kinds of people, but particular in some time. I think I, re I think I believe that the kind of design is also a fluent thing. A fluid thing. Yeah, because some, sometimes, I think maybe if, if we can have, like, take the example of food. Today you like spicy one, the, but the day after tomorrow, you might like some light one. So I think for me, some desire something like, somehow like, that you like different flavor of your food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, you mentioned that in one of the workshops we had, you shared a BDSM story. So we'd love to hear that story if you're interested in sharing it with us today. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> That's quite interesting because uh, that was, uh, 2014, we, uh, we, at that time, we sent up a new, very small organization set on, on the mar margin, so which we kind of explore the community, which is still in the margin, in the age, like BDSM or like bisexual or like intersex, mm -hmm. different kind of community who is still in the gender depressed position. Mm -hmm. So BDSM is one of the issues we are thinking about. So after that, I met a guy in website. He is kind of like a BDSM person. So we, we said, okay, maybe we can chat together to thinking about if we can do some workshop or do some event about BDSM. So after we have a have a cup of tea there, and he started to show a lot of me about the BDSM life he had, like how he met her, his master, we use the words master, yes. and how he played a role in the BDSM, how he feel really enjoy about drinking people's pee, and mm -hmm. you know, somehow like this. At the time, maybe it's too much for me in that position. I don't know, no, but I feel like, okay, it sounds really interesting. I haven't tried that before, right. and I'm quite curious about what it could be. And as you know, after you some drinks, and you share so much story about sex, it's made me a little bit hot at the time. Right. It, you get horny with the intimacy yes. that happens between you, yes. Yeah, you kind of get a little bit horny at the time, and then he said, okay, maybe we can find a hotel to keep talking about this issue. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, okay, maybe, but I, I, I said, mm -mm, but I don't really know what if there's opportunity for me to play that role, how can you do? He said, oh, basically for the new people, Maybe you can try to, you know, whatever you want. 
So then we go to the hotel there. But I am so nervous. Yes. I was thinking about like, he wants to invite me to play the role of BDSM. But I'm so nervous. I, I have never done that before. Right. So I'm really, really nervous. But this particular one moment, he just sneaked down in front of me and asked me, oh, my master. It was like, I think the moment's very dramatic or very, and very interesting moment. Because in the moment, I feel like, okay, now it's a show starting and the drama is starting because he started to play the role mm -hmm. to kneel down and ask me as master. And then I start thinking about, I, I then I, re, uh, I reply him, kneel down well, behave yourself well, no words like this. Right. After that, I feel like it's just like a click. You start a new drama together and yes. you play the roles. And I start to like treat her knee down and climbing and do, you know, a lot of other things. So that particular moment for me is very interesting. It goes quite like naturally and also goes like you are playing a role in a drama show. Mm -hmm. Yes. I like what you said about sort of feeling like there was a switch. Yes. Like once he started relating to you that way. And can you describe what's going on in your body or just in your feeling? Did you feel like mm. your body and you started to respond to him differently when he spoke to you in that way? Mm. Or was it more of a head thing? Did you start to sort of feel like, oh, I'm just going to follow the script? Or was your body starting to feel like, whoa, this is like a something? Well, I think it's more like body thing because at the moment you feel like a little bit horny and then he started just feel like in your whole body or maybe in your whole mind you you are thinking about something gonna happen but you don't know what is that. Mm -hmm. But someone already putting you out to the stage and you know i was quite active in university in a drama group theaters um, yeah in a theater thing so i have did that before it made me like the starting point for a theater and you just can go together and play the role and play the theater mm -hmm. or improve theater together mm -hmm. uh -huh. and how did it go with him did what did it feel satisfying did you play all the way to the end and can you can you give us a sense I think he's quite satisfied and he he just follow my step all the time and I ask his knee down to you know how to satisfy me in a different ways. Right. And and oh I did another thing. I go to the restroom and I pick down some oh what do you say in English but something pick down. And it's also like a play a role. I, yes. I go to pee and take the Take water. the pee. Yeah, take the pee, and, but I put in the table. I didn't give ah, it to, to him. him. It's like, you know, play the role again. You're withholding. Yes. And, put, and he can see it. Yes, and he can see it. You can see that he is so, he, he really wanted. He's so full of desire. Yes, he's so full of thank you for your English. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going. I'm going on this journey. Yes, he's so full of desire, and but I put it here, but I didn't give it to him, and I asked him to do somehow like, 
uh, climbing down and do other stuff and to do, you know, this and this, this. And the moment I think for a girl, the experience for me is like, you suddenly feel like you are the real master. You know, you are holding everything on your world or on your land. It's kind of like your land. Mm -hmm. So I think for women, if you have an opportunity for that, it's quite interesting. How did you feel empower yourself mm -hmm. at the moment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So did you give him your pee eventually? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, after all the drinking. After he fulfilled your wishes. Yes. yes. So he got what he wanted and you got what you wanted. Yes. Yes. And so I'm curious, after this person, I don't know, this, was this a one-time thing, or did you end up developing this more over time, or...? We, several times, we mm -hmm. tried several times, but it's also a very, another very interesting, because after, I think the second or third time, he tried to be the master position with me. So that made, made me not feel very good, mm -hmm. or maybe because of the passion, just, you know, somehow pass away. I don't feel very interested mm -hmm. about doing BDSM mm -hmm. with, him with him at the time. Right. So after that... It just kind of faded. Yeah. So how about with anyone else? Have you carried any of this over into your relationships with women? Has it felt like it's any particular or important part of your sexuality? Or is it kind of on a shelf for you? Like, oh, interesting thing over here. Another thing I have tried about desire is the role play, but the role play in your mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes uh, with my partner, when we have uh, making love, sometimes we will make up some stories together, mm -hmm. and we all kind of make ourselves in the story and doing our sex. It's also a very new and interesting experience for me because some sometimes I tell I I make up the story and put her into the story and then he kind of doing something. I think it's very good for us to all live in the imagination during the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lovely. So that's becoming something between you and now your your long term partner. Yes. Like just trying to play that out and see what comes up. Yes. And can you tell us anything about how that feels for you, like in your body and in relationship to someone you really care about? Like what kind of interesting spaces come up for you or vulnerability or uh, empowerment, as you said, that feeling of power? Can you describe any of that for us? Mm -hmm. Well, let me... Maybe I will share one story about the, the imagination, making up story I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a little bit shy to share with that. <laughs> well, as we say in the workshop, share what makes sense. Share what you feel good about sharing. Yes. Uh, I think in our desire, we all have so much different desire. But for the whole space, you might not find the space to explore your desire. Right. Yes. So... Sometimes as a bisexual, you know, sometimes I also have the desire with men and women. Yes. So when making up the story, one of our plays, yeah, one of the script of our story is like talking how I met a 
man and being attractive or being how I kind of have attached with a man and how he come to me and we make, make love together and somehow like my partner, my girlfriend was beside and watch the whole things going on. Ah, yes. You know, that's, so she was observing. Yeah. Yes, I think she liked to observing that mm-hmm. in our mind to making up this story together. Mm, nice. Yes. Nice. So she might be discovering that she's a bit of a voyeur, mm-hmm. just by she likes to hear you create a story and imagine herself watching. Yes. 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 Right. Yes. And it feels okay for her to play with gender in your stories. It sounds like that. She feels fine about that. Like, yeah, yeah. I think when I was coming out as a lesbian, that was very taboo. You know, the idea we were supposed to leave all things male behind. Mm-hmm. But I've always had fantasies of, and sometimes you know had male sexual partners, even though I do really for identify as a lesbian. But sharing those with partners could sometimes be fraught territories, depending on what our identities are. And our agreements are, and our histories are. So, I think it's really exciting that you're able to bring your full range of your sexuality into your relationship.、Mm-hmm. Sounds very satisfying. One of the things I, I thought was interesting that you said was about imagination. How important imagination is in our sexualities, especially when we are living in a time where this has certainly been true in China, in the U.S. as well, where. It's kind of a crackdown on our expression, right?、Mm. People don't want us expressing ourselves. People、mm. don't want us resisting gender violence. People don't want us resisting racism. People don't want us resisting various violent forces coming against us. And I think this place of imagination is so、mm. important in our sexuality around fueling our sense of possibility and resistance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know you have been a very consistent and important activist in China. Do you feel like there is a connection between your ability to show up as an activist and how you show up in your sexual and intimate spaces? Yes, I will see your question in a way like, no, I have been working for a little bit, you know, sexual harassment, anti-sexual harassment issues. One thing I find out is that when we talking about sexual harassment or the violence related to sexuality, what we have to do is about the empowerment or give the people the imagination about sex. I mean, make make them think thinking about sex is joyful, not harmful. Yes, that's also one key point we have to pointing out. And again, back to your expression. Or about the sex, or how the power of sex. I will share a little bit of story. I think it should be okay. I was detained before, so in the、uh, detention center, <laughs> I try to masturbate myself in detention center, which means you know in the whole environment, it's all all the things sort of forbidden because you are underwatched. Yes, you are. You know. But I try to do that in terms of at a particular moment, you no know, sexuality or our desire could be a tool to fight back in a way. Yes. About about the I would say forbidden or about the elimination. 
And also, it's also about the imagination. How people can express themselves, even in a very small space, if, like, say, homophobia in a very huge and big space, they exist in that big space. But as a community, how we build up, build up our safe space to masturbation, to express our desire, or to meet our need of desire. I think that's also very important issues for、mm-hmm. us to understand or to practical that. Yes,、mm-hmm. I think what you're saying is so profound that you were detained, which is such an intimidating, threatening、mm-hmm. space,、mm-hmm. and you're insisting on masturbating in that space. I mean, you are. That's a, that's a badass move. <laughs> Yes, I don't know why, but you just feel like you need to do something. So that's just something coming coming up. It's incredible, and I know since your release and now you're in your community and really thinking about desire and community and support as you're working on harassment issues. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, after I got released, I go to China to a new organization, which. Is mainly focusing on sexual violence, but unfortunately we have to close this organization because of a lot of issues and we face some crackdown now.、Mm-hmm. So basically, personally, I'm an individual、uh, freelance and trying to work out with you about some desire mapping workshop in China. Then, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I know you've done the workshop yourself in various places, and can you tell us a little bit about? What it's like for you to lead the workshop in China, and like what you feel the importance of it is in the communities that you've taken it. Oh yeah, I have led several times workshop in LGBT community and in women's community.、Mm-hmm. I think that's quite very interesting, especially in LGBT community. I think the LGBTI community and activists they would like to share about their story about desire. And that's also very good. We can setting up a safe space to share for people to share their desire. I remember in one workshop, gay man activist share a story how he like to watch people in I don't know how to say the word in English. It's like to watch, but people didn't know he is watching. He's watching. He's being a voyeur, but. People don't know that he's、yeah. observing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know the words, but he said that he liked it so so much. So sometime in the hotel, he was kind of like you know hiding behind the window or hearing people making that、ah, voice. Right, he can hear people in the next room. Yes, and if the window is not close enough,、right. he somehow can watch inside what happened inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And how this satisfy him, and how this make him feel so good, on her desire. I mean, in her map, in his sorry, in his mapping. Yes. I think it's very a highlight story or highlight moment of feeling for him.、Mm-hmm. But in another way, he also feel very guilty because it seems like a bad thing. You come to you know watch people, to be people. observing people, yeah,、right? without their consent. Yes, without the yes. consent. Yes. So I think it's also very.、Um, I would say it's also very、um, impressive for me because I know this guy for years, 
but I didn't hear story. You didn't know anything about this? Yeah, I didn't know anything about his desire and his particular, I would say, favor or particular hobby on, on that. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel a proud we can establish a space. People can share some desire. They feel shame about it or there might be some taboo on it. Right. And another thing, when we was talking, I think I kind of a little bit find the answer for the last question of the desire mapping. Because in the last question is about how your desire mapping relate to you, your activism. activism. I kind of started finding all the answer of that when we just talked in the last few minutes. I feel that like desire is one thing I think is very inclusive to bring LGBT and bring the heterosexual people come together talking about desire because it's about release, it's about sort of a revolution in in some way mm -hmm. for us. I mean these birds we all don't we all like people to live in a patriarchy in a heterosexual society, which also means if your desire is different with the mainstream desire, you have to depress depress your desire yes. some way. So related to our activism, part of our work is kind of open the role, open the theater, you know, open the stage. How yes. we can play our desire in a more freely way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that's just something that comes to my it's mind. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful, right. I've always felt like this is the gift that LGBT people have to bring to the table in much larger human rights contexts. We've been so targeted and suppressed around our sexual desire. We know what it means. And that, as you say, heterosexual people are also targeted and suppressed depending on what their desire is, yes. right? And that this is like a connective tissue, a connecting conversation we can have across difference. And a strength that we bring to having survived you know, many layers of, of kind of violent repression. Yes. That's so very interesting. Yes. Is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners about your desired journey or what you're thinking about these days or where to from here? You know, I don't really, I know the audience is mainly American. Mm -hmm. I don't really know about American that much, mm -hmm. except, you know, sometimes I watch Trump's Twitter <laughs> <laughs> for how the States is going on. Right. Yeah. But I think I can feel some kind of backlash right. about the fundamental, I would say, or traditional way, not yep. only in like America or China. Or I think it's kind of a global thing. We yes. can find the backlash, especially when we're talking about the desire. Mm -hmm. So I think in this kind of way, when we're thinking about our own desire and how we express the desire, in a personal way, also in a society way, even somehow in a global way, you will really have a lot idea we can discuss and explore. Mm. Yes. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for inviting me. And now it's time for... Da -da -da -da! Definition of the day. So let's start first with one of my favorite, mouthy. Descriptor of a person of any gender or sexual orientation whose desire hinges on talking back or offering the mouth 
as a vehicle for sexual pleasure to a person they've granted a position of sexual authority. Mouthy. Number two, PDAer. Descriptor of a person of any gender or sexual orientation whose gratification entails public displays of affection with consenting and delighted partners. Number three, prayerful. Descriptor of a person of any gender or sexual orientation whose sexual pleasure hinges on praying to whatever gods, goddesses, they worship before, during, or after sex. Prayerful. Hey, we're going to take a little break from the show to let you know about my fantastic sponsors. First, Grinder for Equality, a global human rights program leveraging the power of our social and sexual connections for LGBTQ liberation rights and safety around the world. Also, I'd like to thank Elizabeth Scott, a longtime Desire Mapping fan who took the workshop over 10 years ago a feminist philanthropist based in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And finally, the Freeman Foundation, also one of my long-term supporters, a foundation that centers the power of the erotic in LGBTQ liberation work. Thanks, everyone. If you're enjoying yourself here every week, I hope you'll tell your friends about the podcast. Subscribe and go to iTunes and give us five stars. You can also go over to Patreon and become a monthly supporter. Any and all support is greatly appreciated. Finally, if you want to get in touch with me for coaching or to buy my book or just to give us feedback on this week's or any week's episode, you can get me at justsexpod at gmail.com. Today, I'd like to share a few final questions for our questions of the day that are related to what we often do in the desire mapping workshop. One point in the workshop, we often pause and look at our maps and look at the material that's coming up for us and think about what our desire points are telling us, what they're pointing us toward. And there are three questions that are related to that point in the workshop. So... Here's what I want you to be thinking about as you're thinking about your desire journey. First question, am I living fully into my desire? Say that one again. Am I living fully into my desire? Question number two, am I ignoring, repressing, or minimizing the significance of points on my desire map? And here's another way of thinking about this. Am I ignoring, repressing, or minimizing the significance of points in my desire story? And then finally, the third question, what does my desire map tell me about what I need to do next in terms of my sex and desire journey? And let's do that one one more time. What does my desire map tell me about what I need to do next in terms of my sex and desire journey? New York in June How about you? I like a Gershwin tune How about you? I love a fireside When a storm is due I like potato chips Moonlight motor trips How 
about you. I'm mad about good books, can't get my fill.